0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're in part two. We're going to conclude the series this week. And there's a goal that I want to accomplish. And I'm trusting God to be able to do that. And I'm asking you for your help as far as being good listeners and to receive this message um, with with the purest of intentions that I have and receive it with soberness and receive it with seriousness and receive it with, receive it as a challenge to maybe start thinking differently, definitely start speaking differently, and by all means, let's start conducting ourselves differently. Jesus... Was moved with compassion, and he expects us to be also, regardless of who he brings across our path. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, speaking of Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And we would say today, How do you see it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to be justified, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And in response to that question, Jesus tells a story. It starts in verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, and if that term is foreign to you, I'm gonna explain that to you in a moment. And a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had what? And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds. Notice, he just didn't observe. He didn't just take notes. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, and pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Action. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, these would be coins, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So Jesus said to this man, so so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer responded, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. See, the priest and the Levite were supposed to be the ones to demonstrate, to express the character of God. The Samaritan represents people who do not believe exactly the way we do, but still walk in love and compassion. This Samaritan, what is a Samaritan? A Samaritan is an individual that comes from the region called Samaria, obviously. But what is so unique about this region? Well, you'd have to go back in history a few hundred years. Because that region, at one point in time, was invaded by the Assyrian Empire. And the tactic that the Assyrian Empire used to try to exert the utmost control on their subject is that when they invaded an area, they would take the natives of that area and deport them to the furthest point of their empire and then take people from the furthest point of their empire and bring them and settle them in that land, hoping to avoid any rebellion, hoping to avoid any kind of armed resistance. And many times it worked. But throughout the centuries, those individuals intermarried, intermingled with the Jews. And when we come to this point in history, Jesus is on the scene that region of Samaria was avoided by the Jews because the Jews looked down upon them as half-breeds, looked down upon them for their beliefs because they had mingled some pagan beliefs in with Judaism. And so these were outcasts in in the eyes of the Jews. These were people that you were not supposed to have anything to do with. In fact, the hatred and animosity was so deep that if you were a Jew traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, you would have to pass through the area of Samaria, but they hated the people so much and wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans that they'd literally take the long road, they would get to the place where they would cross over the Jordan River into what we would say modern day Jordan today, go north from there and then cross back having circumvented Samaria just so they wouldn't have to encounter any Samaritans. And here Jesus takes his bold step in telling this parable and in telling this parable, he's telling the religious establishment of his day. There is no tolerance for this type of racism, this type of discrimination, this type of prejudice. Compassion and that type of hatred cannot mingle together. And here's a man. That if you would have taken the average individual that day and say, okay, line up the priest, who obviously is in the priest suit, representing God, the Levites, which were the class of people that served the priest and took care of the temple, and a Samaritan, you said, which one of these is gonna be the one that's really gonna represent God? And you say, well, it can't be the Samaritan. And yet, that's exactly who it was. You read in John chapter four, the subject of Samaria comes up again. It says, so so Jesus, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria, now not only is she a Samaritan, but she's also a woman. Now there's a whole other level of prejudice there. Came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She's even shocked. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's how deep the prejudice was, that's how deep the discrimination was, that's how deep the hatred was. The woman herself is shocked that this man, a Jew, is actually even speaking to her. Though we see here that not only does Jesus knock down these boundaries and, and, and these, these barriers between religious beliefs and, and between ethnic differences and cultural differences, but even when it comes to gender, Jesus elevated the position of women by choosing a woman to be the first to see him in the resurrection. I don't know if you understand the significance of that. By Jesus allowing the very first person to see him risen from the dead to be a woman, that means that the disciples would have to receive the testimony of a woman, he is risen. And that was unheard of in that day. Absolutely unheard of. In fact, it would take the testimony of two or three women to equal the testimony of one man in a court. God has always been and always will be the author of unity and fellowship. God instituted a relationship back in the garden. He would come and spend time with Adam and Eve every day at a certain point in the day. But I want you to remember this, and I want you to hold on to this in your heart so that you're never never caught unaware. The devil has always been the enemy of unity and fellowship. His desire has always been to bring separation between God and us and separation among us. Between us, he hates unity. He promotes isolation and distrust. And that church is the heart of racism. It is a demonic strategy to keep people distrusting each other. It brings division and strife so that people will do their best to stay away from one another. That is the heart of the devil. There is no place for racial, ethnic, or gender discrimination in the kingdom of God. In fact, God hates that kind of racism so much. I'm going to show you an incident in the Bible in the Old Testament that God was forced to take direct action to correct this type of mindset. In the Old Testament book of Numbers in chapter 12, we have a record of a serious incident that took place. Miriam and Aaron. Miriam is, uh, Mary and Aaron are, are Moses' sister and brother. Miriam's got a problem with Moses because the Bible tells us he married a Cushite. Now, you say, well, What's the big deal about that? Well, you see, if you don't know biblical geography, then the story loses loses its meaning. The kingdom of Cush is what we would call today modern-day Sudan, and so what the Bible is telling us here that Moses married a black woman, and Miriam had a big problem with this, and so did her brother Aaron. And so God literally has to come on the scene in person to correct the situation. Why? Because he's going to set a precedent that from this point forward, don't you ever let me see you conduct yourself this way again. And so the cloud appears and God appears in the cloud and and calls the two of them out from amongst the crowd. How would you like to be in that position? Talk about feeling like you're sent to the principal's office. And so God appears and addresses them both about their audacity to criticize Moses, his prophet. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse nine, let me read to you what takes place. And so after he confronts him, it says the Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. And as the cloud moved from the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin, follow me here, her skin is as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, oh master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. What was God saying here? God's saying to Miriam, you got a problem with black women? You want white only? I'll give you white. I'll tell you, standing before you here, I guarantee you Miriam never had a problem with black people after that incident. Now church, let me be perfectly open here. The main reason why this series is being taught is due to a request that was made to the churches in Monmouth and Ocean County on a federal level. The Ocean County Prosecutor's Office contacted a group of individuals, among them was our brother Sean Highland here. And we were made aware of this recent surge in our area of acts of racist and religious discrimination and outright hatred right in here in our own communities, in Toms River, in Jackson, and Lakewood, and Hal, And don't think that Bricktown doesn't have it either. I'm going to read to you just a few of the documented instances that have been reported. A Jewish female was approached as she was back in her vehicle out of her driveway. A male offender shouted to the victim, you blanking Jew, blank, go back to Israel. Swastikas have been painted on sidewalks in town. A paper featuring pictures of Jewish men was posted on a light pole with words, thieving Jews near you, on the top of the page, and then a Nazi white supremacist website on the bottom of the page. Here, here, in our communities. We're not talking about Mississippi. We're not talking about Alabama. We're talking about here. people driving by in cars shouting to people i hate jews i hate you swastikas and hitler carved into public park benches i heard a testimony from a, from a gentleman who's very close to this community and said that because of the lack of houses of worship and i'm not getting involved in this in a political level i'm just i'm just giving you what i've been told people in Tom's River, because of the lack of house of worship, they have to walk on the Sabbath. They can't drive in a car, it's according to their law. So they're forced to conduct services in residential homes. And in walking to these homes on Friday nights to observe the Sabbath, cars are passing by throwing trash at them. I was told that one young man was injured because somebody decided they were gonna throw a bag of pennies at his head while he's walking to service. Here, in our community, it should not be. And it cannot continue. Death threats against local rabbis have been documented. And if you think God is in any of that conduct, you are sadly mistaken. God is extremely opposed to any type of prejudice and discrimination because it is directed as his creation. And that includes anti-Semitism. I don't understand this. I I could see this mindset amongst people who have no connection to Jesus, don't know anything about the God of the Bible, don't care to have any connection with the God of the Bible. But I pray to God that none of this conduct involves anyone that would call themselves a Christian. If you have a problem with Jewish people, what are you going to do when your Jewish Messiah shows up? (laughs) You know, the promises of God, don't have expiration dates. When God issues a promise and he makes a promise, that promise stands until it's fulfilled. And in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abram the father of the Hebrews. This is what he said to him. And it extends out to this day and into the future. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And I bring to your remembrance from history that every nation or empire that has ever turned against the Jews has eventually been destroyed. Some without remedy. Now we acknowledge that the demographics in Northern Ocean County and Southern Monmouth County are changing. We acknowledge that. This does not only reflect the growth of the Orthodox Jewish community in Toms River, Jackson, and Howell, but also the influx of Hispanic families here in Brick Township. Things change. Geography changes. Demographics change. So, we're taking our part this weekend, along with many dozens of churches all throughout Southern Monmouth County and Ocean County, to make a declaration And we believe every person is made in the image of God. Therefore, each person must be honored, loved, and respected. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Furthermore, each person has a biblically defined dignity of human life. This includes the right to be protected from verbal assaults, from physical threats, and other intimidation tactics. In the Old Testament, I remind you of the scriptures that I covered last week. God commanded his people. In the Old Testament, it was the Jews. In the New Testament, it's us together with them. We are his people. And so the commands that he gave to them pertain to us in principle. Exodus twenty-two, twenty-one, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Leviticus chapter 19, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God say, well, I wasn't part of that. You were part of the spiritual Egypt. You were once in darkness. You were once under Pharaoh, the taskmaster, Satan himself. You were delivered out from the kingdom of darkness, and you were delivered into the kingdom of his dear son. We are now the children of light. We are his sons and daughters, and therefore we are called to think, to speak, and to act in the image and likeness of our God. We condemn in the harshest terms any act of violence, verbal def- defamation against any people of race, ethnic or religious group. We reject all forms of such hatred. We strongly denounce any person or group who uses fear-based hatred to incite biased crimes, derogatory language against African Americans, Hispanics, Jews, or any other ethnic group. We understand that community di- the community dialogue is necessary to prevent wrongs against homeowners of changing neighborhoods. We understand that. I'm not here today endorsing, making a blanket statement. There have been wrongs done on both sides and they need to be addressed, but not with violence and not with hatred and not with discrimination, not with division. And so we're, we're trusting and believing God for civic, religious, and business leaders to address these issues of concern with respect to all parties and without prejudice. We hold firmly as Christians to the authority of the Bible and its moral teachings. God's word clearly communicates our Christian duty in issues of community conflict. The Apostle Paul admonishes us in Romans chapter 12, in verse 17 and 18, we pay no one evil for evil. We give thought to what is, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. You and I must begin to lead our communities in acts of love and service, to live out our faith, to love God and our neighbor under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And John 3:16, again I remind you, is a, mes- a message of ultimate compassion for all races, for all nations, for all those who reside in darkness. For God so loved the world, not just your little world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I wanna just throw something out here for you to consider. Our nation has been, and thank God, continues to be a bright light to the rest of this world. I believe with all my heart that this nation was raised up for one purpose, Alone, And that is to bring the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. But somehow along the lines, over the years, there have been groups, people groups all over the world that haven't been able to hear the gospel in their own nations. There's people groups even in our own country here that because they settled in one area and have no contact with outsiders, it's extremely difficult for them to experience the love of God through true Bible-believing, sold out to Jesus, spirit-filled individuals, because of tradition, because of antiquated mindsets that you can't associate with outsiders, Can I propose this to you? Is it possible that the God of the universe who created this planet and everyone and everything that's in it, is it possible that he himself is shifting population groups so that those who could never hear the gospel can finally be exposed to the gospel? I mentioned earlier the origin of the Samaritans. An amazing thing how God even used that shifting of populations that was meant for harm. He turned it around for good. See, I challenge you to go on your computers, go online, and do a, a brief search of the history of the lost tribes of Israel. And what you will find is that in these massive migrations, some willing. Most very unwilling. God actually used to bring the knowledge of who he is, the knowledge of the word of God, Old Testament as it might be. There are pockets of populations in Africa, in Ethiopia, in Uganda. There are pockets of populations in Iran, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan. There's, one, there's groups in India. There are groups in China, very remote areas of China, who on Friday nights light candles but don't know why. They just know that our forefathers did this. They have found, archeologists have found, carved in rocks in the mountains of Afghanistan, the menorah that was in the temple in Jerusalem. Dietary laws, traditions that can be traced back to the Jews where the foundation of these areas say, well, today they're Muslim. They weren't always Muslim. Most of those areas were affected by the gospel before the rise of Islam, especially North Africa, especially the Middle East, Armenia being one of the first Christian nations. God used the shiftings of populations to bring the reality of who he is, to bring the reality of this one true God. Church, I pray to God that we can lift our eyes up and start thinking through the eyes of eternity. That this life is going to pass by so fast. It's much more than where you live and who lives next door to you. It's much more than what's happening to our neighborhood. It's much more than this. They're they're, they're taking over. It's much more than that. Lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is ripe. And your God in heaven and our Lord and Savior desires to take the knowledge of his love and the knowledge of his plan of salvation and bring it across the barriers. And the only way it's gonna happen is if his people rise up and put aside this natural, carnal, devilish thinking that we're better than anybody else. Stop allowing color, tradition, language barriers, to keep us secluded and isolated from each other. That is not the way of God. And ultimately, let me remind you of how this whole plan ultimately unfolds and is accomplished. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, and after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, Crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is the picture that God wants to see. Amen? Amen? Amen. I challenge you. If you've been affected by this kind of thinking, by the way you were raised or by the neighborhood you grew up in, it's just my family's always been like this, and I'm talking about no matter what color, no matter what ethnic background, no matter where you stand, male, female, whatever, Start thinking kingdom-wise. Where well, neither, There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free. But in Christ, God sees us as all one. Now for those of you that are in this room today may be watching this. I want to reach out to those of you that maybe have never been impacted by the compassion of Jesus. And the greatest act of compassion that Jesus has ever shown this earth is when he went to the cross to pay for your sins and for my sins. The ultimate act of compassion. He saw us in our sin, he saw us in our degradation, he saw us in our filth. And he decided to not just observe it, Not to turn away and say to the Father, oh, this is a horrible situation, but he presented himself, here am I. And God sent him to this earth to be the sacrifice, to be the payment, so that you and I could come into relationship with our Father in heaven. Someone had to die to restore that relationship. And that is a fact. And yes, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of this world came to this earth and fulfilled that calling. He went to the cross. He died on your behalf and my behalf. And he presents himself to you. and says, if you'll put your trust in me, if you will receive me as your Lord and Savior, if you will confess me before men as your God, as your Lord, you will spend eternity together I challenge you. For those of you who have never said that prayer, a simple little prayer, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross of my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you've never said that prayer, I challenge you before you leave this room today. Come up to the front after we're dismissed. Allow someone to lead you in that prayer. I guarantee you, according to the Word of God, you will walk out these doors a different person today. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's Word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the Giving tab. We hope to see you soon.